We started last week uh, looking at what it can mean to live life with a wounded spirit. And it's a series that I've started. I don't know how long it will go for, but when I'm on over the next few times, I'm going to be speaking about this. But one of the most damaging things that can happen to us is for our spirit to become sick. Because the Bible tells us that all of our life emanates from within us. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 is a well-known passage in Scripture that says, Above all else, guard your heart because it determines the course of our life. What is in us comes out of us. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the body behaves. Jesus also speaking about the condition of our inner man very clearly said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 35, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. It can also be said that a sick person produces sick things from a sick heart. A broken person produces broken things from a broken heart. A twisted person, a bitter person will produce twisted and bitter things from a twisted and bitter heart because the condition of our inner world determines the condition of our outer world. If my spirit is wounded, if my spirit is broken, if my spirit is crushed and it's not treated and healed appropriately, spiritual infection will set in and all kinds of problems and issues and struggles will begin to fill my life. The parallels between physical sickness and spiritual sickness are remarkably similar. Just as our body can be broken, so too can our spirit. The Bible talks about two different kinds of broken spirit. There, there is a brokenness of spirit that is actually positive and is strongly encouraged in the Word of God. In uh, Psalm chapter 51 and verse 17, we read, The sacrifice you, God, desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and a repentant heart. This kind of broken spirit is talking about a heart that is surrendered to the will of God, much like a wild horse is broken in and, and it, it's brought to a place where it can receive a, a bridle and a bit and actually be ridden and directed by the rider. Jesus wants to be the rider of our life and he wants us to be broken in and surrendered to his will. And so the sacrifices of God in this positive context is a broken spirit, a spirit yielded, a spirit surrendered to the ultimate purpose of God for my life. It's this kind of brokenness that also leads us to the abundant life that Jesus talked about in John chapter 10. But there's a brokenness of spirit that is actually extremely negative and damaging to the human soul. It's when a person's drive and, and motivation has been sapped. It's when 
They find it difficult to face each new day with a sense of anticipation and hope, a, a spring in their step. Uh, you know, it's a new day for new things to happen. It's a new day with new opportunities. A person whose spirit has been broken in this negative sense finds it hard to get out of bed in the morning and face the day with a sense of something good is going to happen, something good is in store. They struggle along with a a nagging sense of weariness and a nagging sense of fatigue. Their get up and go has got up and went and they've, they lack the zeal that they once had and their symptoms of an inner brokenness, a broken spirit, a broken inner life. Depression is often a consistent companion to somebody with a broken spirit. They find it easy to spot the negatives in life, the glass half full uh, half empty rather than half full kind of thinking begins to dominate the, the mindset of a person with a broken spirit. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 13 tells us a merry heart or a merry spirit, a merry inner man makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. A person's spirit is susceptible to this kind of brokenness, probably as a result of many things in life, but I think Things like when trust is broken, when trust is breached, particularly in relation to deep and, and more longer term relationships or more intimate relationships, when, when a deep-seated trust has been breached, the spirit is susceptible to damage and, and breaking this. When there's, there's a long run of traumatic experiences, one negative thing after another, one setback after another. I talked last week about the power of disappointment in our life and the impact that disappointment can have upon us. The heart, um, uh, the heart becomes sick when hope is deferred. The Bible speaks about when there's one uh, setback after another, our emotional Reserves can become depleted faster than they are replenished and it has a detrimental and a damaging effect upon our spirit. You know, you might not today be completely broken in spirit because I think there are levels of brokenness and levels of woundedness and levels of uh, perhaps deterioration to our inner man and I, I don't have time to go into all of that today but you might not be at that bottom level of a completely broken spirit but the Bible actually talks about you can have a lacerated spirit, a spirit that's been knifed, particularly a knife in the back. You can have a spirit that's been cut. The uh, spirit that's been knifed, when your spirit has been knifed you, you, you bleed black angry thoughts and ugly kind of emotions. When your spirit has been cut sharp, attacking, confronting and demeaning words have the ability to cut our spirit, to, to penetrate deeply like with a long-bladed dagger. Our spirit can be, can be knifed by the words that have been spoken over us, particularly words that have been spoken over a long period of time as we have grown up and developed. People can be uh, cruel and unkind at times. We can all be cruel and unkind at times. You know, Avoid the danger this morning of, of letting your mind run to what others have done to you. We, we, we really need to self-examine and wonder, hey, have we said some unkind things? Have we spoken words over people's lives that have actually been damaging to them without even realising or thinking that we've, we've done that? But sharp, damaging, demeaning words have the very real potential of lacerating our spirit. You'll never amount to anything. You've never been any good. You've always been in trouble. You'll never, 
uh, uh, rise to anything of significance in life, when you're told that long enough, it's like knife wounds to your inner man. It's, and you, know, and you, you can bleed profusely in your inner man and, and it's usually black, ugly, deep-seated emotions and so on. Psalm 57 verse 4 says, I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows and whose tongues cut like swords. Psalm 64 and verse 3, they sharpen their tongues like swords. They aim their bitter words like arrows. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. We, we can do some serious damage to a person's spirit by what we say and the tone with which we say it. You can have a lacerated spirit. You can also have a bruised spirit. A bruised spirit is one that's been pummeled or hit hard by the circumstances of life or people in our life. And often the circumstances of life involve people. We, we live in a broken world and broken people and broken uh, values, broken morals and broken people break people. Hurt people hurt people. Bleeding people bleed all over other people. We live in a dangerous world when it comes to our inner man. That's why the Bible says guard your inner man with all your heart. Because out of it flow the issues of life. Just like our arm or our leg has been bruised, you've been corked or something has happened, someone's body slammed you and you get a bruise on the arm, you get a bruise on your leg or wherever it might be on your body. It's, it's often uh, for a period of time a tender point in your life where, where any kind of touching or pressure or, or load being brought to bear on it is painful and we avoid it, we nurture it, we kind of protect it because we don't want the pain to increase. When our spirit is bruised, we become sensitive, we become intolerant, we can become jumpy and short-wicked. But Jesus said he's come to heal the broken and bruised and hurting and lacerated spirit. Isaiah 61 and verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, sent me to heal the broken hearted. He sent me to restore. He sent me to put back together. He sent me to, to soothe and, and bring a healing balm upon that which has been crushed, that which has been lacerated, that which has been bruised. Isaiah 42 and verse 3, he said, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. So we can have a lacerated spirit. We can have a, a bruised spirit. But you know, there's another level of a broken inner man and that is a poisoned spirit. A spirit that's become so septic, so, so poisoned, so um, uh, left to fester because of issues that have been undealt with, stuff that's been left untreated, stuff that's been lying in our soul, dormant, that is eating away like a hidden cancer that you don't even know is there. Many people are diagnosed with cancer when it's too late. Didn't even know they had cancer. There was no symptom. There was no indicators, but there was something just untreated in their inner physical world that, that eventually came to the surface. The same can be happening in our spirit. There can be poison in our inner man that's doing untold damage to our soul, to our life, to our world. And, and it left untreated, it brings out all kinds of ugly stuff in our life. We can have a poisoned spirit. Someone with a poisoned spirit hold twisted and 
deep-seated judgments about anybody and everybody and their, their perceptions about reality are seen through some very broken filters. We had an interesting experience here in church last Sunday, the power of perception. Uh, I've, I've been spending a little bit of time with some of the creative team leaders talking about what I feel we need right now and what I sense God is wanting us to do in this current season in our worship and in our, our creative uh, ministry within our, our church. And, and uh, you know, Dan, who's just had to go home because Jess had a rough night with the baby, so um, she's, he's gone home to take over. But, um, you know, Dan was here worship leading and it, didn't, it wasn't going the way he had hoped. It wasn't going the way they had planned. It wasn't going the way they'd rehearsed. And, and he was struggling. The interesting thing was I'm sitting on the front row not picking up any of it. I thought it was okay. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes I think this is not good. There's something wrong here. There's some, and I can go and speak to different people. And, but, but last Sunday I thought this is okay. But Dan on the platform is feeling like just beam me up, Scotty. Get me out of here. I just want to go and sneak out through the side door. It's not, it's not working. Margot comes up to host, Dan steps back. I find this out after. Dan steps back, feeling absolutely shattered with the way he had led the service. And he's standing there and Margot starts to host and she does the, the praise and prayer cards and the, the boxes are out the front here and she, she made this comment. Now, these boxes are not holy boxes. Well, and they're not. They're just perspex. There's nothing holy about the boxes that we put our cards in. And she said, they're not holy boxes. At that point, Dan's standing here feeling absolutely devastated. He looks down to me. I lean over to Jono with the sternest voice I could give him. And I said, I gave you strict instructions to buy holy boxes. (laughs) But Dan didn't know what I said. Dan, at that point, sunk another level lower. The pastor's not happy. He's just made a comment to Jono. And poor Dan is up here perceiving that that's what's going on, having no idea I was actually happy with the service. I wasn't even talking about the service. I was being flippant. <laughs> but perception is a powerful thing. And poor Dan, he comes up profusely apologising. What are you apologising for? He said, oh, the service. It was. I thought it was all right. Well, what did you say to Jono? I could see you waving your finger in his face. I thought, the power of perception. People with a poison, and I'm not saying Dan's got a poison spirit, don't, for one minute, but people with a poison spirit will read the wrong thing in situations every time because there's something now broken and out of alignment in their inner world that, that, that causes them to see what is not real. Reality is so far removed from how they see the world that is around them. A person with a, a, a poisoned spirit has become almost permanently angry at life. Uh, they, they live with a constant cloud of, of bitterness and resentment and envy and jealousy and revenge in their heart. They, their attitudes and their words become unwholesome and even to the point of venomous. You know, Psalm 140, verse 3. The psalmist says their tongues sting like a snake. The venom of viper drips from their lips. He's he's not talking about snakes. He's not talking about vipers. He's talking about people with a poisoned spirit. People with an inner world that has been infected by the circumstances of life where this root of bitterness has got down in their heart and in their soul and out of their mouth vomits all of this ugly emotion and anger and frustration. It, it goes from one level to another. And I, I think there are great levels of, of lacerated spirits, infected spirits. I'm not talking about demonic spirits. I'm talking about the human spirit. The inner world of our life. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, the author urges us 
Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. When you've got a poison spirit, you're dangerous. You're dangerous to those around you. You're dangerous to other Christians. You're dangerous to baby Christians who are just starting out. We have the, the potential, if our spirit is poisoned, to actually do a lot of damage to people's lives. It's a, it's a poison that can be imparted from one person to another. I've seen it over the years of being in church leadership and ministry. Through gossip, through critical conversations. Because something has has crept into our heart, an offence or a setback or a disappointment or something has happened that that has allowed an, an untreated spirit to fester and become septic and poisoned. Out of our innermost being comes forth the most ugliest of stuff that, that you would not think would happen in the house of God. But it does when, when our spirit is not um, treated effectively and appropriately. You know, it's easy. It's very easy to be poisoned in our view of another person simply by listening to the backbiting tongue of someone who dislikes them. We're all susceptible to that. I've been guilty of being influenced by somebody who's been offended with someone else, having a whinge in my ear, and then all of a sudden I'm feeling angry about the person that they're angry with, and I've not even been involved. We are so susceptible to that. If we're not careful, a poisonous spirit will ooze out and affect, defile those around us. The parallels between physical sickness and spiritual sickness are very close. And the healing processes applied to physical problems are similar to those that bring healing to our bodies. You remember Psalm 139 says, We are fearfully and wonderfully Made. God designed our bodies in a remarkable way. Built within us is the capacity to heal ourselves. That's remarkable. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure every one of you, I, I don't think there would be a single person in this room this morning who, who hasn't taken skin off. You've, you've, you've tripped, you've fallen, you've grazed on cement, you've brushed up against the wall and you've taken skin off. You know, if you don't do anything with that, it will form a scab. That's God's design. And that scab is like a protective coating over the wound so that the healing process that God built within us begins to happen. And after a period of time, the scab diminishes and eventually falls off what's remained of it, revealing new skin underneath. We are created in a remarkable manner and our body has the capacity to heal itself. You break a bone. Depending on the severity of the break, generally that bone will re-knit itself. It will rejoin itself. It will reheal. But here's the interesting thing. If that bone that has been broken, and it's very much like our spirit, time will heal. But if that bone is not realigned properly, and if that bone isn't supported appropriately, it can heal out of alignment. And when it's healed out of alignment, it results in poor posture. It can result in, in, in uh, you know, deformity in the body. It can result in then living the rest of your life with a limp if it's not realigned. The same is true of our spirit. 
I'm absolutely convinced time does bring healing when we've been wounded in our inner man, when we've been hurt, when we've been disappointed. Over a period of time, you do start to forget what's been done to you. You do start to forget the pain that you went through and the struggle. But what can happen is if Jesus is not involved in the healing process, if Jesus is not brought to bear in the equation of my life, if He's not allowed in to bring about the appropriate realignment of that which is broken, if He's not allowed to support that which is broken, our spirit will heal, but it can heal out of alignment. And then we start living life with a, a spiritual limb. We start living life where you can, you can see in their demeanour something bad's happened to that person. They're sour, they're bitter, they're, there's no joy in their countenance. You know that their spirit's no longer broken, it's healed, but it healed out of alignment because it wasn't Jesus that brought the healing. It was just the process of time and the process of time is not enough. It's not enough. Sometimes treatment in hospital can be painful. It can be extremely painful, but the outcome at the end of the treatment is very desirable. I, I suffer from time to time with ingrowing toenails. And, you know, I haven't had one for quite a while, but I remember back in 1989 having a really bad ingrowing toenail on the, my right foot on my big toe. And it was so impacting. I walked with a limp. To have a shoe on was almost unbearable. The weight of a blanket in bed would bring pain. I would try and keep my foot. Who's suffered from ingrowing toenails? You know what I'm talking about. And right next to the nail, it became swollen and red and full of pus. And, you know, it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And the pain was incredible. And the reason the pain was increasing was because I was leaving it untreated. Yeah. Eventually, this one was so bad, I went to the doctor and he said, I need to take the nail out. <laughs> How many of you know that can be one of the most painful parts of your body, your toe? I had three needles in my big toe. The pain of those needles was, I had to bite on this, this broom handle and hang on to the as he put a needle either side of the big toe and one in the end of the big toe. And, you know, but let me tell you something. Very quickly, the pain disappeared. It was gone. The anesthetic set in. And I felt it's fixed, but it wasn't fixed. It was just numbed. He then cut down the centre of the toenail and with a pair of pliers pulled the toenail off. As I watched... Not. <laughs> I couldn't look, but I never felt a thing. I never felt a thing. He then bandaged it up. He said, I want you to leave the bandage on the toe for three days. I went home and, and, and it felt great because I couldn't feel anything. It was numb. But then the anesthetic wore off. <laughs> the pain, the pain. I couldn't describe the pain. Worse than childbirth. <laughs> the pain. Was Come on, come on, I've only got so much time. <laughs> Three days went by. The pain was slowly easing. I'd kick it against the wall, getting out of bed. I'd do something. It was just shocking. It was such a difficult... I thought, why did I have this done? I know why I had it done. But three days came and I unwrapped the bandage. 
But then the, the gauze was welded <laughs> to the wound. I couldn't get it off. I started to pull it, but the pain. And I thought, I can't take it off. Margaret said, well, I'll just rip it off quick. I thought, no, you won't. And it was that bad. We had a nurse in our church who worked at the Cessnock Hospital because we were pastoring in Cessnock. He, she called and said, can you come around and take this bandage off? She said, just rip it off. He said, he won't let me. So she came around and she, she was kind for a nurse. That's remarkable, really. She was kind. She said, look, the best thing for you is to just... And then it's over with. I thought, no, I'm not going to let you do it. I can't let you do it. And I didn't let her do it. She went home and I'm still sitting there with this gauze on my toe. I bathed it. I bathed it. And I bathed it again. And I bathed it, trying to get it to soften. It would not let go. Well, five years later, it finally... No, I'm just kidding. Eventually, eventually, after a lot of bathing, it finally came away. And it began to heal up. And you know, I've never had an ingrowing toenail in that spot on my toe since that day. I've never had any more pain and I'm so grateful for it. But I went through the pain of the appropriate levels of treatment, the appropriate levels of support, the appropriate levels of care that brought me to a place where I don't have any recurring ingrowing toenail in that particular point in my foot. You know, it, 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 it can be a very, very painful thing to bring healing to a wounded spirit. In the same way that it was painful with that ingrowing toenail. Some of you have gone through far worse. I can't imagine what it would be, but some of you have gone through far worse than my ingrowing toenail, and you know what I'm talking about. But the parallel, you know, to, to treat a wounded, bleeding, lacerated, bruised, broken spirit can be a very, very painful journey indeed. For a spirit that's been lacerated, a spirit that's been bruised, particularly by people, things that have been said to us, things that have been done to us, the only remedy is forgiveness. It's the only remedy. But I know, because I'm as human as the next man, the, the, the process of forgiveness can be a very, very painful Antiseptic, the sting when it first is applied to the wound can feel almost unbearable. You know, forgiveness, it can be an extremely difficult thing to release in your life towards somebody who has deeply hurt you. But it can be an extremely difficult thing to apply the antiseptic to an open wound. The parallels are so true, but the outcomes are worth it. I went through the pain. There's no more ingrowing toenail in that area in my life. I'm glad I went through the pain because the desired outcome was the result that I wanted and needed. It was worth the pain. Many of us feel, don't miss this, many of us feel we have no control over our thoughts and our emotions. But Jesus taught us otherwise. Yeah, that's good. Many of us think, I can't let go of this. 
I can't let go of this with this anger, this this resentment, this 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 seething. I, I, what they did is just so unjust. What they said was just so unfair. You know, how dare they? They should pay for. They owe me an apology. They owe me a reconciliation. They owe me a public vindication. They owe me. You, you know, it can be a seething thing. And then you start hearing a preacher like me talking about the need for forgiveness because when forgiveness comes, you think I can't do it. And we I've got no control over this. I can't stop these thoughts. Jesus taught us otherwise. In John chapter 14 and verse 1, he said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. So he, he's not actually saying, Folks, if your heart's troubled, come to me and I'll untrouble them. He's actually saying, You take responsibility and don't let your heart be troubled. That tells me that I have the power to actually control my own thoughts and my own emotions. No matter how deeply wounded I might feel, I have the power to not let my inner man be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. Paul wrote to the Roman church in Romans chapter 6 and verse 12. He says the same thing. Do not let sin control you and the way you live. Do not give in. Do not let. The art of forgiveness has to be learned. Because we will all suffer offence at some point in our life. Jesus said it is inevitable that offence will come. He said, woe to him through whom the offence comes. But it's inevitable offence will come. Hurt will come. Disappointment will come. Pain will come. It's essential that we learn the art of forgiveness. Forgiveness is ripping up every IOU that we have against anybody that's ever hurt us. Forgiveness is standing in the presence of the Father. And forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a decision. Once we understand forgiveness is a decision and not an emotion, we will start to forgive more readily. The emotions eventually catch up. But forgiveness is standing in the presence of the Father and saying, Father, from my heart, I forgive them for what they have done. I write off what they have done to me. They don't owe me anything. They don't owe me an apology. They don't have to come back and get things right. If they do, that'll just be a bonus. But I let them go and release them from this debt that they owe me because they hurt me. That, that's all forgiveness is. It's a decision. You can still struggle with anger towards the person. You can still struggle with frustration and and bitterness and resentment. That's a journey that Jesus will bring healing to your life as you process. But forgiveness happens in an instant. I've written off the problem. I've written off the debt. I've written off what you owe me. If our spirit is to be healed, we must discipline our thoughts to remain on those things that create faith and peace and stop our mind from dwelling on those things that depress us. It's a disciplinary process. I've got to stop dwelling on those things that discourage me. I've got to stop dwelling on those things that have hurt me. I've got to stop thinking about those faces that, that I see who over the years have said things, done things. You, you know, you've got to let it go. Paul wrote to the Philippian church in chapter 4 and verse 8. He says again, control your thoughts, control your emotions by one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. On what is honourable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. We've got to resist the temptation to feed our hurts, but rather take the medicine that will bring healing. And the medicine that brings healing is getting up each day. You see their face again. Jesus, help me to not see their face. Help me to see you. 
He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. You know, if we call out to him, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a promise from God's word. God, I, I want to get over my hatred. I want to get over my bitterness. I want to get over my resentment. Help me today, one day at a time. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough problems of its own. Yesterday's gone. I can't do a thing about it. God, just today, help me to think upon those things that are admirable, those things that are honourable, those things that are pure. If I can just get through today, that'll be good. And then the next day you get up. Jesus, it's another day. You got me through yesterday. You can get me through today. Every day becomes easier as we keep moving forward in Him. And He will begin to mould our heart, that our heart will begin to think and feel the emotion that forgiveness has happened. Is that okay? We must resist the temptation to feed our hurts. We have to take the medicine that will bring healing. Through this process, this process of help me, Jesus, to fix my thoughts and whatsoever things are true, honourable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, help me to do that. Help me to do that. Through that process, the wound in our spirit is being pulled together and stitched. Sometimes it can feel like the stitching is without an anaesthetic. You're out in the field and there's no doctor. You've just got to do it yourself. Done that many times. Just <laughs> scars all over me. I've seen it in the movies anyway. So. As we close the wound on the past and we keep the wound clean, healing flows easily. Forgiveness is the most effective treatment that will lead to full recovery from a lacerated and a bruised spirit. Sometimes it can feel like being stitched without anesthetic. But it'll be worth the pain. Because if we just go through the pain, the recovery will pay off big time in our life. The kinds of antiseptic that we need for our inner man at this point in time, our band can come back, that would be great. You've got a lacerated spirit, a bruised spirit, a poisoned spirit, a broken spirit, something out of alignment in your inner world. Some of the greatest antiseptics you can apply is this. Surround yourself with positive, spiritually healthy people. Surround yourself with those kinds of people. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. You know, It's a principle. Bad company can cause all kinds of grief in our life. Bad company can cause all kinds of grief to our outer world. Bad company, good company, however, can bring healing, growth, development, restoration. Surround yourself with positive, spiritually healthy people. 1 John 1, 7. He who walks in the light as he is in the light, or if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. From all sin. Sin is not just wrongdoing. Sin is anything contrary to God. Sickness, brokenness, whether it's physical or spiritual in our inner world, it's all sin. It's all part of sin. The blood of Jesus Christ is the greatest antiseptic that we can have. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There's that surrounded with godly, strong people. In that environment, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us washes the wound, brings about a healing restoration. 
Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. If you're surrounded by good, positive people, they'll stir the best up in you. They'll stir the positive up in you. You know, not forsaking our assembling together as the manner is for some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Proverbs 18.1, this is a fascinating one. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. You isolate yourself in your pain, you won't get healed. Say, but it's too painful to be with people. It's too painful to go to the hospital and get treated too. It's too painful to have those needles stuck in your toe. It's too painful to have that bandage ripped off. It's too painful. So I think I'll just stay home by myself and let this toe get fully infected so that it becomes poisonous. And then the poison begins to run up my leg. And eventually the poison gets into my whole system. And then eventually someone knocks on the door and has to break in because I'm dead in bed. The same thing can happen spiritually. The same thing can happen spiritually. A man who isolates himself, rages against all wise judgment, seeks his own desire. Surround yourself with positive, spiritually healthy people. Feed on the Word of God. It's the greatest antiseptic in life. Feed on the Word of God. Jesus said an interesting thing in John chapter 15 when he's talking about the vine. He's the, he's the vine, we're the branches. He says to the disciples, you are already clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. I've already washed you. I've already put antiseptic all over your soul, all over your spirit, all over your life. You are already clean. The Word of God brings cleanliness. It brings a washing. It brings about an antiseptic that, that starts the process of killing the demonic bacteria that gets into our spirit and it washes us from the inside out and we begin to grow and flourish and back into a place of fruitfulness. Feed on the Word of God. Fill your life with worship. Let the Holy Spirit cleanse your wound. Fill your life with worship. Let the Holy Spirit cleanse your wound. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. According to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You've got to get the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're into walking, go prayer walking. Get out in the open. Holy Spirit, wash me. Regenerate my inner man. Heal my inner woundedness. God, help me to over. Help me to focus my thoughts. Help me to get through this. Help me to get over this. Because I, I want to be healthy and whole so that I'm a value to kingdom purpose. Let's get our inner world healed and restored. I don't know where I'm going to take this series, but I'll probably stay on it for a little while. Um, I don't know. Is it helping somebody this morning? Father, I pray today that you would just hover over this auditorium. Hover, Lord, over every single soul, over every mind, over every heart that today, Lord, perhaps is, is bleeding. Every heart that is wounded and broken and bruised. I, I pray, Lord, that in your words, a bruised reed you will not break, but you'll come and tenderly align it, lift it up, support it, and bring that healing process back to our inner world. Lord, we can't change the past, but we can change the future. Help us, Lord, to get our inner world healed so that everything about our life and our future is determined in a positive way and from a positive foundation. I pray, Lord, today that every person in this place would encounter you, afresh and anew, the healer. That we be a congregation who doesn't go looking for healing, 
we go looking for the healer. Because when we find the healer, healer flow, healing flows. Just while your eyes are closed, your head's are bowed this morning. If you've come into the auditorium and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour, you don't know Jesus in a personal and intimate way. He is the healer. He is the restorer. He is the reconciler. When you know him, all of those things come with him. Paul said, if I would only know him and the power of his resurrection, my life would be so much more different. If that's you today, you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. In these closing moments, I want you to raise your hand right where you're sitting. I'll see it. God will see it. I'll just know to include you in this prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Someone else today. You want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. You want to surrender your heart to him and allow him to bring healing and wholeness like nobody else can. Father, I pray this morning for these people that have raised their hand, for those, Lord, that perhaps are a little unsure or nervous and just couldn't bring themselves to do it. I pray that you would lead them into a place of knowing you, the great healer, the great shepherd, the one who leads us beside still waters, the one who restores our soul. I pray, Lord, that you would open the windows of heaven above their lives and you would pour out your presence in such a way that their life would be transformed. Father, we commit our church to you and we pray, Lord, that you would lead our church into a greater place of impact upon the broken and the hurting within our world. In Jesus' name, amen.